really been looking forward for a good while to being here. We tried to schedule the meeting at an earlier time and then COVID hit and changed everything. But uh, I have followed the progress of this church. I think so highly of what you have going here and what the potential is. And so I want you to know that the, your example of faith, the development, those you know, those who have moved in and joined a bit, bit part here, and some of those who moved in, Betting on no parents and others, and so it's interesting. You've been in a place like Auburn for a while. You end up making connections in a lot of places, and I'm very excited for this church, and I hope to help you this week in just some basic ways and us drawing closer to what the Bible teaches in His way. Uh, it was mentioned that I might talk about evangelism, and I'm really happy to talk about that subject. One of the things about, I guess, as you gain experience in teaching and preaching, that I have more and more focused on the character of God at the root of everything that I teach. I really believe as we come to know who God is and His character and His nature that it makes other things that we see in Scripture be quite understandable and nothing like evangelism. I think if you look at the life of Christ, really all I want to do tonight, if I can do the job, the Scriptures do the job. If I don't, you look at the Scriptures. That's why you have outlines, by the way. Not going to cover everything on the outline, so I know y'all might be thankful for that, but I like to leave outlines with additional material for you to look at. But the goal tonight is to see Jesus in the heart of Jesus and what He was willing to do for you and me. And if we can see that, evangelism won't be a problem. Let me show you what I mean. Determination. Now, I mean, as a guy, I enjoy sports, competition. I, I like to see good coaching. I love to see teams that fight and persevere. And I, I sometimes like to see individual players. I think it was years ago, I think it was uh, Singletary was the, 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 the uh, a Chicago Bears middle linebacker, and you'd see his eyes. They would show him looking. That would be kind of scary to be on the other side, but you see the face of determination. Determination is valuable when it's combined with wisdom. It, it, it's very interesting. Determination, even toward a worldly goal, there is some things to be admired about that. But when you are determined, it means you've set priorities. And these are priorities you recognize, and it'll determine the use of time and resources. It's quite interesting sometimes how people make excuses about maybe studying the Bible or services. But then, if it was to their favorite football team or something else, they've got time for that. You see, what is our heart? How do we think? What really moves us? And there's something about adversity. When you give adversity to somebody who's determined, they're just going to work a little harder. Matter of fact, you expect adversity toward things that are valuable, don't you? Things that are valuable cost you, and you know that ahead of time. And I'm going to say, you raise children, and you instill godly faith in children, you're going to learn all kinds of things about adversity. Things that are valuable are not cheap, and you're glad of it. And so, we're talking about evangelism tonight. Jesus had a purpose in life. He saw God's wisdom. If we had seen Jesus... Have you ever imagined that, that you're in the presence of Jesus? What it would be like? What his lessons would be like? What would be 
You know, sometimes people talk about communication. Words do communicate, but oftentimes in communication there's facial expressions and there, there are other things. And I realize we're imagining things here. But in Scripture we do see that those who saw Jesus and saw his face, they saw a determination that was powerful. Uh, I love to do my lessons on the servant songs. I will just mention Psalms 50 and Psalms 53 tonight. But I love Isaiah 57, which is the third of four servant songs. We're familiar with Isaiah 53. But here, speaking of Jesus, it says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I'll not be ashamed. We're coming back and we'll look at this verse in its context at the end of the study. If you had seen Jesus, you would have seen one who loves with a compassion, but he had a purpose that no force in heaven and on earth could stop him from accomplishing. And I want us to see that tonight. Can I tell you, evangelism is not easy. Evangelism is one of the most rewarding things you can be a part of. I was so thankful. I'm going to talk tomorrow night about leaving denominationalism. But I'll have to admit to you, the church that I was a part of in leaving a denominationalism, they immediately put me in a class to have to teach others. And you know what? I thought every member of the church, every Christian would teach others. They don't do something you did. I didn't know that you know, hardly anybody did it. And they taught me how to do it. They equipped me. They Immediately after my baptism, I was in a class, and I started teaching others. I never planned to preach. My, now, I was studying engineering, and after this week, you may say, Larry, maybe you should have been an engineer. I don't know about that. But, but it was interesting because I, I work with people and study with people, have that passion of getting with people, that that led preaching. And it's very interesting. Evangelism is not easy, but when you're able to help someone play a part, you don't have to be the teacher. You may be the one that has set up the study. You may be the one that's encouraging others, maybe babysitting while somebody else is teaching someone. When you play a part in evangelism and you see fruits, it's glorious. And could I say to young parents, you want to convert your children? You need to learn about evangelism. You need to learn what it's like to teach others, be patient with others, work with others. Evangelism is hard, but it's so rewarding. And so again, we need to turn you know, when you got a face like a flint, there's going to some people try to discourage you. There are going to be things that are going to happen. You think, oh, I love this, this, the hymn we sang, but I travel down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. Sometimes you'll feel that, feel that way, but God cares. And you know what God's Word says, and you have that face like a flint. It's a good kind of stubbornness. That's how you accomplish things. We need not yield to what is right. Let's talk about the face of Jesus. Jesus said, I've not even got that verse in the outline, but Jesus says he came to seek and save that which was lost. You read about the suffering that was involved in this, Isaiah 53, again, the fourth servant song of Isaiah. It's got Isaiah 42, 49, 50, then 52, 53 are the four servant songs. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. 
I'm going to make a point over and over and over again tonight. I'm going to make the same point over and over again. Of how much Jesus loved us. That, his determination, was he was going to go through what he went through with us in view. And when we understand that, if we could see that, imitate that, evangelism will not be a problem. When you have to understand, when Jesus came, He came, Isaiah 53 says, He he came His own, His own didn't receive Him. John says that. In Isaiah 53 it says that He was rejected. People hid their face from Him. Jesus came to a world that hated Him. We're social people. Certainly after COVID and the isolations of COVID, we could really appreciate relationships. But imagine going into a situation where pretty well most everybody is going to reject you. The religious leaders are going to attack you. You're going to be put to public shame and humiliation. Rejection, 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 anger, lying, deception about people speaking of Jesus and slandering Jesus. It was amazing that He came to earth. Do you understand why He gave up just to become a man? But He didn't become any man. He became a lowly man. He became a man that people despised and ridiculed and rejected. Opposition, yes. He willingly did it. For you and me. Brother, you know, talking about evangelism being hard, there's nothing that will face in evangelism as hard as what Jesus had to face in saving our souls. And so he followed God's plan with confidence because he knew God was in control and he understood. So let, let's say one thing here about evangelism, about anything. No. God. Understand who the Father is. Understand the character of the Father. Understand there's but one way to accomplish the will of God and that is listening and hearing the words of Christ and taking those words and staying within them. Here Jesus basically said, listen, you know why I teach what I do? You know why I do what I do? What I've done is I've committed myself to following delivered words from the Father. Look at that emphasis in the book of John. It says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered and said to him, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Look at verse 18. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. Let me give you a couple more verses. Same thing. John 8, 28, 29. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man... Let's just stop there just for a moment. What does that mean? When you lift up the Son of Man. Is somebody going to give him a hand? Is Jesus going to stumble and they're going to kind of drag him across the finish line? What's this idea of you lifting up the Son of Man? It's not helping. The lifting up the Son of Man was when He was nailed to that Roman cross and that cross was raised and brought into the ground. That was the lifting up. His crucifixion. And He's basically saying, when you see Me on that cross... Now notice the conclusion we should draw from this. (laughs) When you lift up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am He and I do nothing of Myself. But as My Father taught Me, I speak these things. 
And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Evangelism will always, always, always be looking at the words that God has given. The words that were given to Jesus, given to the apostles, given to us. Jesus says, you want to follow his will, it's going to take you past. That's going to be the difficult path. It took him to the cross. But he did it joyfully. Because he wanted to glorify God. Brethren, we've got to get into the Word. Evangelism has to be based upon the Word of God. And without that commitment, that you know, we can talk about evangelism being inviting people to a party or trying to be real sociable about people and feeding people and giving people things and having some, you know, clapping and excitement, and just kind of just having something where there's no teaching. No, that's not evangelism. Well, God will always involve commitment, <coughs> reason, reading the scriptures. And that's where Jesus, when he came to save us, that's what he came. He came to let us see God dying on the cross. Why did Jesus do that? I'm going to talk Saturday about what the cross of Christ, what, what, what hell teaches us about the cross of Christ. I'm going to give you a little hint of that lesson. Why did Jesus die such a terrible death? Why did he ask three times, let this cup pass from me? And God said, no. We'll see in a moment. I'm, I'm jumping ahead in that line. How, why did he sweat tears that were really mingled with blood? What he was going to experience on that cross was so terrible, we cannot even possibly imagine it. You know why he did that? He was thinking of us. In John, you see him say this many times. Did you look at two verses? Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Folks, don't do that. A lot of things could happen to me in this life. I might lose my sight. I might lose my health. A lot of good things may happen to me. I'd become a millionaire. Everybody will love me. But I'll tell you what. You don't want to die in your sin. If you gain the whole world but lose your soul, you've lost everything. And so Jesus, over and over again, we see the same statement in verse 24. He does not want any of us to die in our sins. Therefore, He went to the cross. Have you ever been around people that you know that loved you? When I got in trouble... I wanted my parents. I have to admit, until maybe five years ago, even as a guy in his 60s, there have been a few times that I'd kind of try to wake up and I'd call out for mother. When I realized I'd done that, I always smiled. You know, I had wonderful parents. And I want to see my dad. I want to see my mother. Did you know if you had been around Jesus, he would have known your heart. And if you had been listening at all, you've known you found somebody who cared about you where you're at right now to help you. In Mark 9, for instance, he was seeing these people, they had not had sufficient teaching, the leader was corrupt, we, the leadership of Israel was corrupt, and he had people flocking to him, wanting to learn. And he said, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest and send out laborers to his harvest. And let me tell you, this culture is lost. This culture has bought into empty things. And there are folks right now that would hear the gospel. We can find them. We can reach them. But Jesus saw this and He had compassion on them. You know, it's good to teach in any circumstance. But you know what? More effective teachers come when they care about you and the person recognizes they care about you. And that's what it was like with Jesus. Remember Zacchaeus? Could you imagine Zacchaeus when Jesus came up to Zacchaeus in that sycamore tree? Coming to your house today. You know, I feel like Zacchaeus probably said, you care about me? My house? You see, there today in this dog-eat-dog world that we live in, true love, true commitment is a rarity. We find Lord, we find one who's really has every person's best interest in mind. You know, the healing of the sick is something we read in Scripture we don't even think what it would be like. Seriously, think about this. The next time you read about the miracles of Jesus, imagine what it would have been like to witness it. There was a book, I mean a movie that came out a few years ago dealing with a, a fictitious situation where a centurion investigated the resurrection. And one of my favorite scenes at the end of the movie was what it would have been like for Jesus to heal a man who was a leper. And what was so moving to me, if you had leprosy, did you know that you couldn't be around your loved ones anymore for the rest of your life? You had to live with other leopards who were hurting. In many cases, you, you probably went hungry. And there was a case in this movie where a leper had taken somebody's food that was hanging up and somebody was beating that, the, the leper with a broom and then Jesus came to the, to the leper and healed them. And then he hugged them. And when you, you just try to imagine what it would be like to have whatever illness that Jesus healed them from, the emotion of that, the power of that. Yes, it was a sign that showed He was the Son of God, but notice, He was moved with compassion. The miracles of Jesus were a powerful element that, that was, was a significant on Acts 2 when they recognized the miracles that He did. Over and over again, He'd find some, in this case, two blind men, have mercy on us, and they, they were given their sight. And He had compassion. And so again, evangelism. Brethren, when I speak of evangelism, I'm speaking of all of us. Every one of us. Not everyone has to teach. Not everyone has to play a certain role, but we all work together. You know, as you take the money on the first day of the week and support the preaching of the gospel, you're having fellowship in evangelism. We've got to see our part in this. We've got to be compassionate people. You know, what's the hardest thing about evangelism? That's the hardest thing. Oftentimes it's dealing with relatives. Family, isn't it? They're some of the hardest people to reach. And you don't want to lose your relationship with your family, but here you are. You want people to go to and I will tell you in evangelism, you're going to find out, brethren, your relationships will change. I'm going to talk 
tomorrow night about leaving the denomination which I was raised. And I never imagined that it would end up affecting my life as it is. And it's a good way, but most of my family turned their back on me. I didn't mean it for it to be that way. I was really excited about what I learned and I wanted to share it with others. And it was very interesting that I had a lot of relatives that I grew up with that had nothing more to do with me. But then, man, the family that grew in the church and the people that I knew and brought into my life. I'm telling you, you get involved in evangelism, there's some high stakes. There's opposition. There are people they are not going to understand or not going to listen to you and it's going to hurt. You think it was easy for Jesus to go to the cross? You think it was easy for Him to have His mother watch Him as He died and people laughed at Him and spat in His face? But you see, first things first, when we understand what is the most valuable thing, then we understand that price is worth paying. And look now, look at this. Now it came to pass, Luke 9, 51, for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, that they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. I'll have to admit, I enjoy sometimes man movies, you know, where you got the man facing that adversary, the great fighter in the ring. I think it was the Lord of the Rings where they're getting ready to go into the army and, and everybody's rallying one another. And then even in the battle where the king says, rally to me, and they're getting ready to fight. I love movies like that. But spiritually, spiritually, there's a time and there's a place to fight and not be afraid of what is thrown at us. That's what Jesus did. He faced a terrible suffering. He fully understood it. I, I love it with Thomas. He, says, he saw Jesus' determination. And then Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Hey, Thomas is getting it. Jesus on purpose faced the cross and all of its ugly suffering knowing it was coming and didn't yield one inch. That's determination. Could you imagine that Jesus in the garden? I mean, this is the thing. Jesus is God in the flesh. The creator of the universe became man. And the creator of the universe in preparing for His death, the Bible says this, in verse 7 of Hebrews 5, it says, "Who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplication, but supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Do you understand why the Garden of Gethsemane probably was the crucial battle of the cross? Think about it. Think about it. Remember when Peter got his sword out? When they were trying to resist Jesus being arrested? Why did Jesus say, put him sword? He said, if I wanted to, I'd call what? I'd call legions of angels. Just like that. Now imagine this. Imagine being in a position of great suffering and all you had to do was yield for a split second say, God save me. And you brought down. Imagine that. Sometimes I think I can do something and I get into the suffering and pain. Oh, I give up. You know. But here Jesus, 
He not only just quickly suffered a quick death, he stayed hours on that cross and all he had to do was yield for one second. And it had been over. We'd been lost. Those angels could have come and then we would have been without a Savior. You talk about determination. He prepared himself. And, and so he asked three times and we see already in Luke 24 I really believe he sweated blood. Matter of fact, in one account says he is sorrowful even unto death. I think it was possible for Jesus to have died in the garden. And it's only the second time in Scripture where you have angels come and strengthening him. The other occasion was when he was in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. What happened in the garden was significant, and it was a sharpening of the will where he was determined to go to that cross. But let me tell you one more time, brethren. This is how bad hell is. This is how bad sin is. This is how bad it is to be unforgiven. This is how important it is for us to reach the lost. When I understand the context of who Jesus is and what happened here, I'm thankful He was determined. And I pray that we can find that kind of determination as well. Let me say some other things about his face. You know, people saw his face at different times during this period. Imagine, remember, they, they thought that we're going to have to get a bunch of soldiers and get a bunch of torches, and Jesus is going to be a scared rabbit, and we're going to have to go around and try to grab him. Three years ago, my boys took me to Israel for a trip. <laughs> now, they did the itinerary. It wasn't one of these old folks on a bus. And they rented a car, and they wore me out. Matter of fact, I went to bed at 6 o'clock every night. I was completely worn out. There's so many stairs in Jerusalem. But anyway, but I'll never forget going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Seeing the walls of Jerusalem. And then imagining the scene of when they came upon Jesus. Look at John 18. Look at this verse. Then Jesus, having received a testament of truth from officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? I'm going to tell you something. There was a lot of things they were expecting. But they never imagined. Here they are. They're going to have to chase Jesus down. He just walked right up to them. Hey, guys, he's looking for? And they would have never, ever, ever, ever thought it was Jesus. Now, they probably heard about his miracles. They probably heard some things that maybe this is a prophet of God. And here I am. You know, and there probably was some nervousness among these soldiers. Now, notice they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I'm mean, here. I am. <laughs> and Jesus who betrayed him also stood with him. And when he said to them, I am he, they grew back and fell to the ground. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, you know, they saw that face. It wasn't anybody afraid. <laughs> Jesus wasn't going to run. And they're probably thinking, what's he going to do to us? Who knows what they were thinking? But it was like Keystone Cops. They fell down, they get back up, and they ask again. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am He. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. You know, I had one of those staves and torches, and I saw that face, I'd probably be scared too. Like, whoa, this is not what I'm expecting. But now notice there's some other people who saw his face in different ways. Judas. Remember how Jesus portrayed Jesus? He portrayed him with a kiss. 
And Jesus looked at him and says, Do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? I think Jesus would have saw hurt and disappointment. And unfortunately, it didn't touch his heart to repentance. But a little later on, remember after all the disciples ran like scalded dogs? And then here, Jesus is going through these trials and Peter's following from a distance. Look at this. John, Luke twenty two sixty one, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. What had Peter been doing up this point? I don't know him. I don't know him. He even cursed. Swore, I don't know the man. And then he sees the face of Jesus. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let me tell you something. Peter came back to the Lord because Peter understood the Lord loves me. He came back. But there are times that that face... You see, Jesus wants to take, bring everybody to heaven. He doesn't want anybody to die in their sins. Peter or Judas or anyone. We need to see that face. We need to understand the seriousness of our eternal destiny. Even at the cross. Can you ever imagine if you were walking, or a complete stranger and you walked up on the cross that day? And then you'd hear people shouting insults. Could you imagine somebody dying like that? The blood, the infection, the swelling, the, the, the sadness of the relatives. Listen, people don't normally go to an execution of somebody and rejoice. Even today when people see it, it's a somber event. And you'd walk up on people laughing and spitting at someone. That would be shocking. Then you'd find out these are the leading religious leaders of the land and you would have been stunned. But how about this? What insults did they throw at Jesus? You're a murderer. You're a thief. You killed my child. What did they say to him? He trusted in God. He saved others. You listen to the taunts thrown at Jesus. It would have been shocking. But imagine this. You heard Jesus speak. In Luke 23, 34, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided their garments and cast lots. He was interested in their forgiveness. Brethren, if we could get that concept down of what we've been forgiven of, of what it means to be forgiven, if we can get that one concept down, evangelism won't be a problem. And Jesus was thinking about it through and through and through. And there were other things they would have witnessed, but I know the crowd, when they finally witnessed everything, they beat their breast. Even the Roman soldier said, surely this man was the Son of God. It's amazing what happens when people see the face of Jesus. I like Hebrews 12 and just, just glancing at it where basically it talks about how Jesus, He endured the cross. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you know why He did that? You and me. Can we find that determination. All right. All right. I think we've got to the last section. Let's go back to the uh, servant song of Isaiah. I love these servant songs. I really recommend sometimes as you prepare for the Lord's Supper to read these. Let these be a preparation for the Lord's Supper. And go through them. It's, it's a beautiful passages that talk about the heart of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus. I love Isaiah 50. 
You want to become determined. Is that good? Could we agree? Everybody here, would you like to be determined like Jesus? Let me tell you how it comes. You ready? Now, you got to learn how to hear. And I mean serious hearing. Look at this passage. Isaiah 54, it says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. Listen to this. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Events had to hear me give this illustration this week in Athens, but it's a great illustration. You know, sometimes husbands can hear but not hear, okay? You know, I think every wife understands that. Are you listening? And we see that with our children. Let this sink down into your ears. I remember there was a show as a kid, and I'm speaking of my age now, it was in the 60s. There was a show called The Galloping Gourmet. <laughs> he was a cook. You know I watched that show? You know, he was teaching you how to cook something and how to mix it and do stuff like that. I never paid any attention to that. You know why? Because I wasn't interested in cooking. You know, I'm watching the show, I want to see the stuff come out of the oven and think, I hope my mother can make something like that and think about what it would taste like. Sometimes people hear the Bible, but they don't hear it. They read the Bible, but it's not personal to them. If you want to gain determination, start reading the Bible because you want to read it and you want to understand it. There's one of the things, and we'll talk more this week, I know that's I was talking uh, to uh, Clay about We've been offering reading the Bible together in Charlottesville as a means of evangelism. And it has been amazing of the people who come out and then once they start hearing for themselves and watching the changes that occur, hearing, brethren, we've got to be serious hearers. And when that happens, God will change us. Look what happened to become here. Now, let me warn you. You become a serious hearer of God's Word, you better watch out. It's going to take you places you never dreamed you'd go. You'll end up facing opposition and difficulty you never thought you would face, but it will bless you greatly. What happened to Jesus when He started listening? Look at verse 5. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Now notice, look what happens next. I gave my back to those who struck me. And my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know I'll not be ashamed. Brother, you start standing for the Lord, your family's going to try to call you all kinds of names. He's gone crazy. He's in a cult. He thinks he's the only one going to heaven. Oh, he's arrogant. He's this. And you get all kinds of things thrown at you when you're just trying to share the Word of God. And there are going to be people turn on you and they'll never listen to you. But there were some that will. You know who in my family listened to me? It was my brother. My brother who was five years older than me and he didn't want to listen to me in anything. But guess what? When I became a Christian and I did my own Bible study and reading and I started trying to follow the Lord, he began to, to listen to me. And he became a Christian. I became a Christian. He became a Christian. I remember my dad getting upset about it. My dad never docked at the door of a church building. He pulled me, he took me outside one time and said, Larry, I understand. 
But you followed the faith that you did, but you had to take your brother with you. He didn't understand. My brother didn't follow there. He, he, he read his own scripture. And by the way, my dad later changed his attitude because my brother and I, we were converted and we meant it. And I'll never forget when I decided to drop out of engineering school. My dad was an engineer. When I decided to drop out of engineering school to preach, you know, my dad took, took me and says, Larry, is this what you want to do? I said, yes. He bought me my first suit. <laughs> and he got to hear me preach. And, and he actually became a great, a really good Bible student. Didn't go the, all the path I wanted to take. But he saw in my brother and I determination. And there's something about that. Sometimes your family will test you in a thousand ways. But that determination oftentimes will open up doors later. Jesus listened and it took Him to the cross. And we too need to listen. God will never fail you. Let me tell you talk about shame. Remember He says, I will not be ashamed. Why, did, why were there two other people crucified with Jesus? Ever wonder about that? They did this overnight thing to rush Jesus' trial. And, and do you think the other the thieves were scheduled to be crucified that day? No. Why did they have two thieves crucified on both sides of Jesus? Well, people would come to this guy. He's a pretty bad guy. He's got a reputation. He deserves to die. Matter of fact, one of the thieves says, we deserve what we get. Remember that? And here's the other guy. He's guilty. And so what they got, they got a bad guy here, a bad guy here, and Jesus in the middle. They tried to make Jesus ashamed. By association. And Jesus says, I am not going to be ashamed. Brethren, when we have that kind of determination, again, I know our family will test us, but I really think sometimes the test will actually be the thing that opens the door. Uh, when I was in high school, I didn't attend anywhere. And actually, I gave people trouble that really stood for the Lord. I, I say that to my shame. When I was in the band, there was one drummer that really, he had some convictions, and he probably didn't know it, but I, 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 I didn't like him. I did things to try to hurt him and embarrass him, but you know what? The summer after I graduated and I started my own Bible reading, and I decided to really follow the Lord to the best of my ability, guess which church I visited first? It was a church where this young man attended. And I've never had any word to say to him since high school, but if I ever did go back to a, a reunion, he would be one of the guys that I wanted to see because he stood for things, and I, I tried to make him ashamed. And now I highly respect him. Brethren, that may well happen in your life. And understand, really, that you imitate God, you show His love. Uh, Let's uh, move to that section if we could in the outline. Let's, let's move to that if we could. As I said, we won't cover everything on the outline. But let's, let's, let's cover to the last section. Here we go. The face of Jesus. Remember the apostles? They ran like scalded dogs. Peter says, I don't know them. They were sitting there hiding when Jesus appeared to them. They didn't even believe the witnesses that Jesus was raised from the dead. But guess what happened? When they saw that He was raised, when they understood that He indeed is the Son of God, and when, God, when Jesus gave them that commission to go to the whole world and preach the Gospel to every creature, 
The same group that crucified Jesus tried to intimidate these men. <laughs> Look at this. I love this. Acts 4.11. Here Peter's standing eyeball to eyeball and jaw to jaw with those they are threatening. We'll kill you too. And here Peter says, eh, here's what the truth is. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief's cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other uh, other name under heaven given amongst men, but among men by which we must be saved. Now look at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You know what they were seeing? They were seeing not one face of flint, but a whole dozen faces of flint. And as people were converted and became Christians, these faces of flint became everywhere. And so when the church was persecuted in Acts 8, people went everywhere preaching the Word. Determination. Understanding the significance, the question of life. Changes us. Makes us bold. Our lives change Heaven becomes real. Hell becomes real. I like 2 Corinthians 5.13. Or if we are beside ourselves, that's what your family's going to say. You've gone crazy. you got too much religion. I can't believe you're doing all these things. But if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, then those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. In verse 17, and we'll let this be our concluding point tonight. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's something about genuine conversion. When I get it, I want as many people to know about this as I can. And it's not complicated. It really isn't. Now, once you try to try to work with others, there's things to learn, brethren. I understand. There's things to learn. But we get our heart at the right place. And we really, really want something. We are determined to reach the lost. Get this, brethren. If we are determined to reach the lost, God will give us open doors. Now, what He tells us to do, now keep this in mind, He's not going to, we don't set a, a, a criteria. We're going to baptize 10 people this, this year. Don't do that. Don't do that. What you want to do is say, I want to plant and water this year. I, Lord, give me doors of opportunity. It may be working with your own brethren initially and building them up. It may be working with the lost. Just pray for doors of opportunity. Whatever doors they give you. And the doors can come in some of the most unusual places. And you plant and you water and you plant and you water and maybe you'll see some increase immediately, maybe not. But let me tell you something. God will bless that work. And that's what we need. That's what's killing churches today. We've lost passion of evangelism, of faith, of seeing eternity. We've gotten ourselves in a position where we've let the culture kind of callous down in shame. And brethren, we have nothing to be ashamed of. Not one thing. And so, if we can accomplish that, oh, the power of the gospel, the power of God's way, it's not complicated. I'll never forget, as a young new Christian, hardly dry from the waters of baptism, talking to my relatives, 
shaking and trembling, you know, like that. How am I going to do this? And talking with them and got some bad responses, but got some great responses. Take the next step. It is going to be, I tell you what, y'all got a great thing going here, brother. I really think God's opening doors and will open more doors. You will never dream the things that God can take and bring in our lives when we walk by faith. And so, this is exciting to me. If you're not a Christian this evening, we would like to start back there. Well, we need to know who God is. We need to understand who Jesus is. We need to understand the cross. We've studied about His cross and suffering. He did that in order to provide forgiveness as a sacrifice for our sins. Well, what does that mean to me? How do I receive the sacrifice? Trust God. Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. The idea of belief really indicates repentance as well, that you, you, you turn, you trust God, and you finally say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to confess Jesus as the Son of God. I'm going to let somebody lower me in the water. Kind of a passive act. We lower in the water. Because Jesus died. He buried. He was raised from the dead. We show our faith in that. And God has given conditional promises that I will save you. I'll forgive you of your sins. Great night. If you have not yet done that, find that one baptism. And then let us from there, let's talk about reaching the lost. Been a good, good audience tonight. I hope we've communicated. I, I can say, simple lesson. But this is the focal point that if we get, if we get it, what powerful things God can do for us. We're talking about God's power, not us. Not, we're talking about God's wisdom and not our wisdom. What a beautiful thing to have that sacrifice and to have that direction. We can assist you in any way obeying the gospel. Any response you need, would you come as we stand and sing?